Welcome to TPC Talks, a healthy hospital podcast, sharing insights and resources for navigating the business of healthcare. Welcome to TPC Talks, a healthy hospital podcast. I'm your host, Sean Heath. Human beings, as a general rule, are somewhat fragile. We're not indestructible. One of the things that causes an increase in the level of anxiety is when we have to engage with something in healthcare. We really come face to face with the fact that, wow, we're somewhat breakable. And that causes a pretty serious spike in anxiety levels. Financial concerns associated with those procedures can be just as anxiety causing as the actual procedure. If there was only a way to try and lessen that stress, that would be a good thing. Fortunately for me, my guest on the podcast today is really focused on helping lessen that anxiety. And he is the vice president of Revenue Cycle, Cody Waldrop. Cody, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm doing very well. I don't think I overstated the amount of anxiety that any flavor of medical procedure and the billing and the pricing for that can cause for the patient. Sean, I think you're perfectly you're perfectly right in how you stated it. Uh, there is a, a number of, of problems with, with the healthcare uh, environment, and, and primary to that is is the anxiety felt by patients and and people as they as they access the healthcare system. And that's one because you're sick or ill and you need take, to be taken care of. It, but then also there's a financial burden that's associated with that 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 really impacts uh, how you perceive or how you even. Uh, decide to access healthcare. So I think it's, uh, uh, I think you stated it appropriately. What is your initial approach at Revenue Cycle for alleviating some of that anxiety that comes with those financial concerns? Well, in my opinion, I think it's, I think it's, you got to approach it a couple of ways. One, you have to be clear and transparent with your patients, uh, set the expectations, and let them know that, that you're willing to work or help them uh, through this process. That, that, that one, there is a care factor that has to take place from a, from a provider standpoint, but there's also a, there's also a, a human factor that has to be a, a assessed as well. And so, um, think setting expectations with your patients, being clear and transparent with your pricing, uh, so that they can one plan and, uh, uh, prepare for, for that cost and, and to make informed decisions on, on how and when they want to access healthcare. You mentioned pricing transparency as something you're very concerned about. What are some other practices that you would like to see applied across the industry? Well, I think I think hospitals need to get better at communicating. Providers, hospitals and providers in general need to get better at communicating with the patients. And that's that's either providing access online, uh, doing doing uh, uh, setting expectations by sending out emails, texts, those kinds of things prior to the patient's uh, uh, surgery or visit uh, so that so that you can clearly set those expectations up front and really uh, open a dialogue with your patients uh, about actually accessing the cost of health care and ask, educating them on their payers. Let's talk for a little bit about how modern technologies can help you achieve those improved processes. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. There is there is a number of new technologies in place, and we've advocated that with our our members at TPC is to employ some of these technologies like email, text, uh, interactive voice response uh, communications, 
uh, to, more, to more proactively engage patients before and after their visit uh, to provide that transparency. What is a standard situation that you see and you think this just can't stand? We have to change this. Well, as, as a person who's accessed healthcare before, and I'm sure sure many of the listeners uh, have accessed healthcare in some form or fashion, either by going to the doctor, the, the dentist, or your or your eye exam, um, the, the more tertiary or the more um, the higher the level of care, the less expectation is set around uh, payment and managing that anxiety. So uh, if you think for your surgery, uh, if you've ever had surgery, if you think about surgery, you've come to the hospital, you've been nervous because you're going to have the surgical procedure. Uh, typically, they don't ask you for a copay or deductible or explain how your your care is going to be managed through your, through your insurer, uh, if you have insurance. Um, and they don't tell you what the price is up front, so you can make an informed decision. Maybe you don't need to have this elective surgery, but maybe it is an emergent surgery, right? So there's not there's not any direct way to ex- explain it. And so in no other industry do you have this kind of situation where you're accessing a service and not having an expectation of what it's going to cost, right? Or establishing a payment plan or... or or just even a basic understanding of what the, what the fees are going to be for the service. So uh, I like to use the example of, of a plane ride, you know, that might be that uh, in that similar fashion, right? So if you, if you bought a plane ticket to Europe and took your trip without paying for it, you didn't know what the price was, but you took the trip anyway, you had a great time, you came home, and then 60 days after that, you receive a bill from the airline company, but then you also receive a bill from the pilot, and then you also receive a bill from the from the stewardesses or the, the flight attendants. And that's not unlike how it is in healthcare. Once you have your surgery, you're going to get a bill from the facility. You're also going to get a bill from the doctor, and you're also going to get a bill from the anesthesiologist. So explaining that and then having that understood before you go to health, before you access the care, would be greatly beneficial to how in uh, helping people and patients understand what is uh, what is occurring and how they're accessing healthcare. How in the world did payment structure devolve into six different individual prices? You might get a bill from the emergency room and from the anesthesiologist and from the nurses and from the outpatient care. They're not all considered part of the same team, even though they're all part of the same team. How did that happen? Well, it's really the word you use, evolving nature of healthcare, and that you have separate entities, right? The hospital is is owned and independently operated through a corporate entity and or a nonprofit entity, and the physicians and and surgeons are their own practice, and then the anesthesiology is their own practice, just like radiology is their own practice. And if they're not owned by the hospital, which in most cases they are not, they're owned by an independent group of physicians. That's a separate billing structure, a separate billing entity, a separate billing uh, revenue stream for them. So it's all separate. Now, where we're starting to see some change is with these integrated healthcare systems like Epic and Cerner, where they're trying to, to, to consolidate that billing. And I think that is the, the wave of the future for a lot of uh, healthcare providers and healthcare systems is to combine their statement processing so that it, it's more clear, it's more transparent to, to the patient 
and they don't get a surprise bill at the end of the at the end of a, a harrowing procedure. The next question I'm about to ask you is not my normal thought process, but it just crossed my mind. It seems as if one of the driving factors for the separation of billing would be mostly driven by concerns about liability and the attempts to insulate individual groups from an overall liability. Or is that just too cynical or is there maybe a little truth to that? No, I think it's just because you had to, you know, they evolved from their own entities, right? I mean, I think in the, the division of healthcare and how healthcare evolved over time, you know, you had these big, huge mega facilities that, that did everything and the physicians were their own, uh, their own groups within those big entities. But then in, in the seventies and eighties, you had a lot of divestiture of those physicians. They said, well, let's go form our own practice. And they did that by specialty. So that's when you started to see the orthopedic specialist, the spine and neuro specialist, the heart specialist. They kind of separated out to do their own specialty practices and specialty views, but they still had to have a place where they could do procedures, right? Where they could go to the cath lab or where they could go to, to have the, the, the surgical procedure take place for the broken bone. All those things still had to have a brick and mortar spot. And so that's where the facilities were, but then the practices were on their own and they started charging separately for their individual work. Same thing for the anesthesiologist, right? It's a completely separate group. I think it would be fair to classify you as a proactive optimist. That question I just asked was somewhat cynical, but I'm generally an optimistic person, and I get the, the sense that you are too. What gives you the most optimism about the industry? Well, I think you've got a lot of good people that work within healthcare that want to serve their, their patients and the people in the communities that they, they, they are in. Um, I think that no one gets into healthcare without at least starting in that in that point. I mean, sure, physicians physicians uh, have a, a monetary process as well, and this is all still a business. But ultimately, uh, in healthcare, there 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 is an altruism that is that is outside of other other uh, other businesses. So I, I think that that's a, 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 a reason to be positive and a reason to stay positive, and also the reason why we do what we do. Uh, it's to it's to take care of those communities that you serve and to really provide uh, as much uh, care as possible. But I think that's also why it's as important to be as transparent and build a relationship with your patients as you can. Uh, to and to do that, you just have to you have to open up to them about uh, what you're doing and how you're going to provide care for them, and uh, allow them to make some informed decisions. Is this a space where changing our approach to these challenges could create a cascade effect that could positively change the industry as a whole? I think so. I think the way we approach how we communicate with our patients could monumentally change how people view and see healthcare. There is, uh, you know, a number of initiatives that are coming down from the federal government and also from, you know, our our election process that are getting folks to rethink how healthcare works and how we communicate to the, to, to the patient population and to those voters out there. So I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's critical that if hospitals want to succeed in the coming years, next five to 10 years, they've got to learn how to, how to communicate more appropriately with their patients and, and, and become advocates uh, and, and treat their patients more like consumers than patients, right? They're they're consuming healthcare as a service, 
and and we need to start treating them that way and, and making sure that they're making it as informed decisions as possible. To anyone who has listened to this podcast up to this point or who knows you, I don't think they would be surprised that your answer to the question, if you were boss for a day, what's the one thing you would change? I'm pretty sure your answer would be you would increase transparency. That wouldn't surprise anybody. What would surprise people about this issue that maybe they don't know today? It's a very interesting question, Sean. And I, I, I think there is so much about healthcare that people do not know. Um, in fact, I think that most people don't understand how reimbursement actually works within a hospital. Uh, they hear the word costs. They hear the word expense, uh, especially when you're talking about it in the public or within, you know, your newspaper or local news. Uh, well, the costs of healthcare are really driven by the payers, right? The, the payers determine uh, what the reimbursement is. And so similar to, to, to our example earlier about how, how accessing healthcare can be different, the reimbursements within healthcare is even is even much different than a normal business, right? So so for every hundred dollars that I charge as a hospital or provider, I typically only get thirty cents back from either the federal government or the insurance. So when they talk about the cost of healthcare, it's 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 really inconsequential as to what the reimbursement of healthcare is. It's not a dollar for dollar business. It's a dollar for thirty cents business. And so, um, while we say costs are exorbitant, it, 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 they're that way for a reason because the reimbursement is so low. Um, if we had it more dollar for dollar, then obviously I think the cost would come down. Is that an actual realistic? goal? I mean, I can't imagine dollar for dollar because if that was the case, then the payers would not be earning a profit. So there has to be some profit built into the transaction. Is it theoretically possible or is it even realistic to hope that there could reach some level of homeostasis or some balance uh, across everybody involved? Unfortunately, I don't think so. I think it's a pie in the sky dream, but we can get closer. We can get more aligned, right? And I think that uh, you shouldn't have your community-based hospitals surviving on a 2% profit margin where uh, you have the big payers, such as your Blue Cross or Aetna's or any name, any one of them, making record profits. I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a uh, misaligned incentive in the industry, right, where the hospitals and those who deliver care are greatly disadvantaged in those who provide an insurance for care, right? I think that's the that's the struggle. Um, and how do we how do we more align those two so that so that uh, those that serve the community can stay in business? We've referenced several times throughout this podcast the word anxiety, and I'm not going to lie. I'm in relatively good health right now, so I don't have a lot of anxiety at this exact moment about my personal health. However, the fragility of existence is something that I don't dwell on all the time. And I want to thank you for taking the time today because, Cody, I actually feel a little bit better after having talked to you, knowing that someone with your drive and your focus is actually concerned with helping make the process better. I feel a little bit better already. I knew this was going to be a good conversation. Thanks, John. I really appreciate the time. There is hope for out there for healthcare, and I am really excited about the future. Today on TPC Talks, a healthy hospital podcast, my guest has been Cody Waldrop, the Vice President of Revenue Cycle. Cody, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. You too, Sean.